Hi everyone, this is Melissa from the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Just wanted to let you know that we're hosting a special screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens on December 18th at 9pm here in Canberra. That's just one day after the movie comes out in theatres. We'd love to see all of you dressed up in your best Star Wars costume so you can enjoy the movie with some fellow geeks. After the screening, we'll be recording a live episode of the podcast and a Q&A where we will A, all of your burning Star Wars cues. The screening will take place at Palace Electric Cinemas in Canberra. Tickets cost $17 plus a booking fee and can be found via links on the Silver Screen Queens website or on our Facebook page and also on our Twitter page. Can't wait to see you there. Hi and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, directed by Francis Lawrence and released in 2015. The plot goes like this. Katniss Everdeen and District 13 take the war to the capital. And sorry, we should at this point sound a spoiler warning if you haven't already seen it. It's still in cinemas, so we'll talk spoilers for this film and all of the Hunger Games series. Eldon Henson doesn't die. I couldn't remember from the books if he died or not. I remember the other deaths, but because when there's like 50 characters introduced in one book and the book isn't the best book anyway, I was sort of like, eh, about all the characters in the book. And then when they were in the movie, I was like, oh, but I like these people. Yeah, I was like that. Actually, after all of your many years of going on about how you don't like Mockingjay, the thing that surprised me the most was how much I enjoyed this movie. Oh, yeah. I I mean, yeah. I, I can see a lot of the problems that are in the book manifesting in, manifesting in the movie, but I still maintain that they're doing a much better mov- job with the movies and they definitely elevated the story because the thing is a lot of the characters that you see coming back and you get to see how they end up and stuff, you just don't get that in the book. Effie's gone. There's no Effie in the whole third book. Mm. Um, there's a lot of stuff where and, – and Gail just kind of fades away. There's no actual, like, moment Conclusion. where Katniss makes that choice, which has always been a frustration for me in the book. Mm. She doesn't choose. She just sort of – Peter's there, so she ends up with him. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't like, get to have a decision. Whereas in the movie, there's a definite moment where she says, yeah, bye, Gail. And I think um, they do a good job, I think, with Gail's character in this one because – a lot of the stuff, the last movie, they were a little bit soft on him, I thought. And this movie, you really do see why she makes the choice to move away from him and let him do his thing. Because he's, he's just not the kind of person that she wants to spend any more time with. Well, I think it's interesting to see how uh, being in The Hunger Games affected Katniss and Peter. And Gail doesn't, doesn't get mm. that. Gail doesn't mm. understand what it actually means to be killing people up close and personal. No. For him, it's always been this war. Um, and so you can see that kind of coming out in them and, and mm. driving a wedge between them. Not that there wasn't a wedge between them anyway, because Gail is the whiniest thing ever. He is so whiny. Every single time that he talks to her, it's all, you don't like me as much as Peter. When you kiss me, it's not the same as when you kiss Peter. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't find him whiny. I just I was but like, I find him whiny anyway. Uh, yeah, I was not bothered by his whininess. I just thought, you know, this is clearly somebody who has a very different view of the world than Katniss, and that I don't think that can be reconciled. And it's in, and and yeah, it it they definitely grow apart. I think as the movies mm. progress and as the books progress. Um, yeah, I, and I, the movie I think deals with it well, especially when you know a lot of people will try and make it into a love triangle. Yes. Well, that's the thing, is that, but the movie does have a lot more kissing in it than I remember in the books. Right. The movies have always had more kissing in them than I remember having happening in the books. Mm. Katniss is always kissing one person, then the other person, then the other person. And I don't remember that. I remember her kissing Gail maybe two times in the books. But yeah, 
you know, you get a lot more of inside of Katniss's head in the books. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing, though, because you get a lot of what's going on inside Katniss's head in the book. I, I was really impressed by the fact that we didn't get, like, 15 minutes of Katniss just being depressed over Prim after Prim dies, mm. because that's what happens in the books. It's a lot – in the book, it's a lot of – Katniss being un, like just being in the hospital bed for weeks. Oh god, being miserable. See, I think again that's another thing that was dealt with really well. The delaying of that grief until she got back home and saw the cat. I just thought that was done so effectively. And because I am a cat person, I that got me upset. I was like, no, don't take it out on the cat. But she's in so much pain. Yeah. And this is such a physical reminder of Prim. And I thought that was done really, really well. That was such an affecting scene. And Jennifer Lawrence just gives it her all. Like she ugly cries till like tears are dripping out of her mouth she's so upset and it's just really affectingly done yeah i like that too and i i, I just think jennifer lawrence is so good at portraying all of that trauma that Katniss yeah, is going through. i don't think we need to be inside her head i can you can tell yeah. she shows it there's even the very early on where the guy has a gun to her head and he says tell me why i shouldn't kill you and there's a long pause before she answers i don't remember that from the book i don't know if it's there i don't think I, it is i'm not sure but there's enough of a pause and and then she goes on to make a Again, a really good speech about I don't have one and everything that's wrong with the system and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that time, like you, you can tell, you can see her thinking and actually working through stuff. I don't, I, did, I never had any trouble telling what was going on in her head, and I, I think it was the better for the fact that you could see it in her face rather mm. than actually having someone voice it over. Yeah. So, uh, what else? I, I, um, I'm just trying to think of like because there were certain moments. There's this moment when she's talking to Snow. At the, uh, so there's a whole lot of battle and people dying and poor Finnick dying, which I, you kind of saw coming. Uh, I thought that there was very heavy, uh, foreshadowing of Finnick and Primrose's deaths in this movie. I didn't see it for Prim, but I did see it for Finnick. Um, Finnick was like, as soon as he's like, he can't, he leaves his honeymoon to come and fight with her. I'm like, oh God, he's so doomed. He's never going to see his wife again. Oh. Even in the trailers, I thought the, the foreshadowing for Prim's death was very heavy. I, I have, so if you've listened to us for a while, I've been going through these without having read the books and trying not to be spoiled. So I didn't even watch a trailer for this. Ah. I, I, um, perhaps in the movies, but I didn't remember Prim being in the trailers at the cinematic trailer. There's a whole thing in in, in the trailer where that where she talks about how Snow ruins everything good, and she's dancing with Prim, and she hugs her. And there's also there's a there's one that was literally just flashbacks of their relationship. Right. Um, so now so, looking yeah now looking back and seeing that hug with Prim. Okay, now that makes more sense. And of course, it's Phoenix wedding as well, which is if if, if you're ever going to kill a character, of course you'd give them a wife and like a obviously an unborn child as well. It, but like I didn't pick that up. I, Prim is such an is not is not as big a figure in the in the movies, and I think it's because we don't have that in in Katniss's head thing. Like it's all it, all of that relationship has to be played out. And it's I a, think Prim's also Prim's about her role is more symbolic than than actual physical in, yeah. uh, like presence. It's a symbolic kind of she is what Katniss is always working for. She's mm. what Katniss is always sacrificing for. Katniss kind of loses that in the third one and then she suffers for it because Prim dies. Mm. I think is kind of what part of what happens here. Like what she does in this movie isn't for Prim. It's because of what happened to Peter. Really. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And well, she hasn't since there's I think there's a scene in the last one where she rescues Prim and the cat. 
Is that the third one or the second? Oh right, one? yeah, she does. She rescues and, from and but 13. from that, but after that, it's about getting Peter back and rescuing Peter and saving Peter, and and it is more about him. So you sort of, it's it's not that I didn't care so much. It's just that I forgot. And I, I mean, Finnick is so Sam Claflin is is just such a I friendly, happy person. <laughs> like when he turns up, you are just like, oh yay, yeah. my friend is here. Yeah, Finnick for me, Finnick and Effie, I think for me are the characters that are most improved in the movie over the books. Like, it, it, they just had such an effect on me. And Finnick is so lovely in the movies. And there's there's also a lot of stuff with Finnick and Peter that would have been really interesting, I think, if they'd spent a little more time oh, on it. Oh, my gosh. It. Just, it was almost like nothing. But when Katniss was still too traumatized to properly help Peter and Gail was being a dick, <laughs> Finnick was there for him in yeah. a way that, that Katniss eventually – like, eventually she's there for him in that way. but Well, she can't be at that point because no. he was trying to kill her. It's almost like that he knows that's why he's got to show up. Yeah. And Finnick dies saving Katniss, essentially, yeah. as and, well. Yeah, and because, and of Peter. course, and, yeah, because at that point also, the point at which he shows up, he and Katniss are the only two in that unit who've been through the Hunger Games. Right. So And, and Finnick yeah. is an interesting, has always been an interesting character, partly because of what his post-Hunger Games life entailed there's a lot of interesting stuff with him and how he was forced to do a lot of things against his will and mm. and he was this toy in the capital and all that sort of stuff and so to see him being happy and being with Annie and all that sort of stuff although the letter I don't remember if the letter that gets sent is in the book as well <laughs> I don't remember these things but I feel like that wouldn't oh, from that, Annie from Annie but Annie was really really unhinged in the books like she wasn't that settled that she would be able to write that thing, as far as I can remember. But then again, there are certain things that I don't remember. But there are certain things I do remember. And one of them is that Katniss, when she gets, like, when the explosion happens that kills Prim and she gets set on fire, she has burns that scar her forever. Right, the girl And on I fire, think her like... face also gets scarred. Some of her hair gets lost. It's this is like is a that much... a bit like Peter losing his leg? Yeah. Yep. Like Peter losing his leg. Um, Katniss also suffered hearing loss that was permanent in the books. Everything's a lot more permanent in the books. And so uh, the scene where she goes to confront Snow in his garden, mm. I was just astonished that she was wearing makeup. <laughs> and I couldn't get past it for some reason. Because she very rarely does wear – well, not, she's she, always they, wearing makeup because it's a movie. Yes. But she very rarely wears like, like yeah, obvious makeup. Yeah, she's got lipstick on and stuff. Yeah, I thought that, that was, was there were some interesting choices with that. Because then at the end as well when they show her and Peter and their kids – She's, she's really in a dress. She's in a dress, like a really feminine dress. Like she's wearing like this florally orangey, and I get that's orange colored, orangey yellowy colored dress, and it's just it's so unlike her. And but yeah, when she's in the capital, because she's in just like regular clothes, she looks relatively dressed up. They have her in like a suit kind of thing. She's in a jacket and then this blue sort of top that sort of folds in on itself, like her scarf does in the first one. Just dressed normally, and then yeah, she's got like this bright plum colored lipstick on. Yeah, when she goes to see. And yeah, she normally we we only ever see makeup on her when she's got to perform. Like right, like they exactly. dress her up at the end to shoot snow, and or when she goes out. And the same as with the dresses, we only ever see her when a, in a dress for work, like the dress that's on fire, or the same yeah, makeup and dresses and stuff for her are something that is part of the capital, and, right. and it's really strongly Not associated to mention, with the at capital. that moment. She is like traumatized and mourning for mm. Prim. Like she's she's just not coping with that yeah. yet so for the idea of her putting on makeup to go and wander around the palace seems very odd and very out of character to me um but also mm. yeah there's that kind of they it don't want to mess up her face but they didn't even leave the scars on the rest of her which they could have at least given her scars on her arms and stuff yeah she was on fire yeah 
And that I was know. a big thing. Like she was the girl on fire and she got burned. That was yeah. the visual reminder of that would have been effective. And she got burned because of the stuff that Snow was talking about where they didn't see President yeah. Coyne coming. And they it, it just erases the disability out of it, which is kind of... It was one and thing the I'm, lasting effects of the Yeah, well, that's what I liked war. about the end of How to Train Your Dragon where he loses his foot at the end mm. of the first movie. Like it's a physical trauma as well as a mental trauma. Right. It's, it's a different thing. It is, and it, it it was. It's also a visual reminder for the audience. Yeah, I was interested to see how they were going to handle that too. I specifically remember noting that mm. because I didn't think they were going to do that in the movies, and I was right. They didn't do that mm. in the movies. There's that, mm. um, but it did. It it is kind of sad to see that that's not in there. I, I I'm trying to think of how I can talk about this movie as a movie, which is very difficult for me because it is so affected by what I thought of the book, and I did think. I didn't really like the book. Right. But there is a kind of that that there's a sense at the end that I felt in the book as well where it's a series of scenes that are just sort of loosely connected that aren't really like it just feels like it's ending and then it's ending and then it's ending and there's just this next scene and this next scene that feel kind of disjointed. Yeah. There's there's that kind of sense in the book a lot of the time for me, especially when it got towards the end and it was just and then the next thing happens and then the next thing happens and then this is the result of that and that is the result of that until we get to that right. final kind of future moment yeah i found it a satisfying conclusion but it was very much a conclusion the whole way through it's very much a sense of wrapping everything up and it really can only be watched in conjunction with all of the others that doesn't mean i still didn't really enjoy it and enjoy watching it but it is i mean it is an issue i guess for the whole the whole series i think the first movie kind of stands quite nicely on its own but after that they are kind of dependent on one another and they flow into one another a lot more that isn't so much a problem for me as, I don't know, it, it's hard to explain it, but it's sort of like a montage but longer. Right. Where each scene is its own contained scene, but it still feels like a montage where it's like we have to get all this information out yeah. there. And you were um, certainly waiting for certain beats to hit. <laughs> I didn't sort of jump quite so much when those little creatures in the… The mutts. Yeah, whatever they're called, in the… In the, in the tunnels. In the sewers, yeah, yeah. The tunnels came out because I, I you were like sitting there next to me waiting for it to happen. And well, same with Prim, they, like three seconds before up. Prim happened. You, Yeah, they do set it up, but not quite to the degree that you set it up next to me. I apologize. Um, it, it is kind of hard not to, though, because I knew it was going to be horrifying. Yeah. So. And it was as soon as Michelle Forbes is bringing up the rear, I'm like, I love Michelle Forbes and she's just been brought into this movie and now she's going to be dead. There is a setup there where you think Pollux is going to die too, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but just uh, – I couldn't remember the bit with the the twins or Boggs dying or any of that stuff before that. So that didn't. Yeah, well, that that didn't really affect me all that much. Like Boggs sort of came in and and he was he had a he had a couple of moments where he was like, "You're not going to die on my watch," kind of stuff. Where I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm starting to like you," but nothing that really made me upset when he died. And the the twins, well, I didn't. That they were just introduced and then like it was pretty sweet that she stayed with her sister, but. I didn't have time. There are too many characters. If you definitely think of all the characters that were introduced in the last movie as well as in this one. So that yeah. includes Patina Miller yeah. and Heldon Henson. Lovely. And Henson. um and, so and Natalie Dormer. Natalie Dormer and, and all of and the film crew Castor, from there. Yeah. And then there's the Tiger Lady and then Oh yeah, she like, just rolls up at the end. Uh, apparently she was in the first one. I don't know. Well, and I don't think she I don't think she was, but I'm not sure. I I really don't think she was because I remember the Tiger the the look in the third one, and then she references it, but I don't remember the reference yeah, from earlier. Yeah, I, I didn't remember uh, that. I only tended to care about if I knew the actor. Like, I know Michelle Forbes, and now I know Patina Miller, so I don't remember her from last time. But now I know the actress because I've been watching her in Madam Secretary. And so now I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I can remember who she is. And then if she becomes president, which is awesome because yes, I was so excited awesome. about She's She just always seemed very sensible and 
measured. So I, I liked her, but um, yeah. There was that scene as well. Like there's a few scenes that really stood out. And these are the scenes, I mean, there are some scenes from the book that I did like. One of them is Coin's offer to uh, have another Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Um, always, that was really interesting in the books and it plays out in a really interesting way in the movie. Yeah, and yeah. I like that there's this little subtle thing that you can see that Katniss isn't telling the truth mm. that there's like, but Katniss has this mask on by then, but also there's just this moment between her and, and Hamish. And you know that ha- both of them would say no. To yeah. This. Yeah. Yeah. And Katniss says yes. And Hamish is kind of thrown and he looks at her and she looks back at him and he goes, Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. then he goes with her and sort of, you can see that she's setting up coin mm-hmm. at that, from that point. Yeah. Um, and it's in these really little subtle ways. And I ro- quite liked that. Um, I don't know how they got the Philip Seymour Hoffman Plutarch Heavensby stuff in there. The at the end, do you mean through the whole thing? Like, well, see, he apparently he... only had eight days of filming left when he died. So uh, the bits, I think, the bits that were using stock footage were the at the end where he was standing next to a thing. That was the only bits that were really obviously stock footage because there are some really good bits where Katniss sort of has a face that you have to know her to be able to read. He has this face that you can always read. And he and Coin will say whatever Coin wants to say. He has this wonderful ironic undermining of these wonderful one-liners through his face. It's just amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I remember liking Plutarch from the books as well, so mm. that was fun. Um, But he uh, – no, I, the stuff in the base in, in District 13 seems fine. Mm. It's the other stuff outside of District 13 that I think might be more using old footage. Yeah, and, oh, and that was – oh, I'm pretty stuff. sure that was it. Like he, he was – Really, only in those scenes, and uh, I'm—I don't know, but I assume that he doesn't write her a letter in the books either. That—that that I, I don't think so. I don't Hamish, that Hamish reads out to her, and that was kind of interesting because it gave the scene a a different pallor. So there was that that layer of meaning over the scene, which I thought was—I mean, it, it was you, when you lose an actor midway through a shoot. I mean, that's just one of must be one of the hardest things to deal with, and they—I mm. think they did it probably as well as you could do it. And thank God for Hamish because he's like basically the only source of humor in this yeah. whole thing. He <laughs> and, gets and, a lot of the funny lines. Oh my God. The, but intentional humor. Yeah. Because we did every so often was, laugh at Gail. It was almost, no, yes. There was almost no um, Effie, which kind of upset me. But then they finally see each other at the end and there's this little kiss and you're just like, yes. Which is interesting because that's I ship, not in the books, obviously. I ship Hafey so hard. Yeah. But I think it's got to do with those two actors. Yeah, they've done really well with those. And they've done really well with those characters in the movies mm. as well. Um, Like when Woody Harrelson was cast, people were up in arms, but he's been fantastic as Hamish and very he grounding. Was, he was perfect for that part. Yeah. Woody Harrelson is like, he has that reputation as a stoner and he lives hard and he's obviously got, he's not from a wealthy background or anything. He just, he fits right into that role. People were up in arms when pretty much everybody was cast. Right. Including Josh Hutchison, which if you watch this movie and you don't think Josh Hutchison was well cast, then, well, you're Oh, he's dick. just he's so, perfect. I didn't even, we didn't even get to talking about him. He's just wonderful. I was really watching this time for that, um, that role reversal stuff where he really does that feminine emotional work. Mm. And even down to the bit where he is, he's literally shackled and like he, he's untrustworthy because he's been brainwashed. Like yeah. he was very, it's a very um, coded feminine role and he does it so well and with such nuance and as if we're all not in love with him. Yeah. Who yeah, even cares about Gail when he's watching, around? Watching him go from like what where he is at the beginning of this movie where he, there's just this kind of stony anger on his face every time he sees Katniss and when, when he kind of loses it a bit when he's talking to Prim and to see him go from like that to where he is at the end of the movie when he comes back to being Peter again and with the stuff that Katniss has to go through. I mean, that is the most affecting storyline in the book, even though it's 
awful and I still think that he kind of gets the short end of the stick. Uh, well, I mean, in the long his... game he doesn't, but in the short well, – he has see, to go in... through some really awful trauma. In the movies, I think it's handled better because you get to see him come back from it and you get to see him be happy and, and it's not just about – and you get to see Katniss really kind of making the decision to be around him and want to be with him more and stuff, which is something that just doesn't happen in the books, which is kind of where I get that short end of the stick thing from is just it feels like in the books she just ends up with him because he's there. And this but does the real or not, not real, feel like that in the movie at all. Yeah. The I love you real or not real thing is in the books. Right. Um, I think it's a little bit further along than what happens in the movie. And I think there's a grounding of previous scenes in the movie where she goes into the bed with him. Like yeah. We've seen that we, happen seen, lots yeah. of times and it's really nice. Um, it just didn't feel the same way for me. So I, I w- like that. I think in adapting these, they've done something which I didn't think was possible, but they've actually made better movies than the books were. Uh, yeah. The first two I like the books, but this one definitely I preferred the movies much more than the book, which was just this, it just felt so rushed. Hmm. And they had time to think about all the stuff that they did in the movies. And I maintain that splitting the last one into two movies was, if not like, maybe they could have made one really long movie and put the stuff in. But if you're going to do it to any book, this is the book to do it to because it felt like it was squished together in too many ideas in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I actually think I agree with you on that. I I mean, as much as when I was actually watching them at the time, I was like, oh, no, it's cut off in the middle of something. I Now, seeing it as a whole, it's given it enough time for all of the ideas and characters. Enough, I mean, there's still a lot of characters, but it gives them all a bit of space to breathe. Yeah, and you actually get to know some of the characters. Mm. Like we get to know Pollux a little bit and we get to know, mm. you know, these these characters that they've just thrown at us a little yeah. bit more. She gets her moments with all of them without having to sacrifice moments with Peter and with Gail, I guess, um, and with all the other guys. Like, you don't have to sacrifice all of that. And I also, I, I stand by my assertion that having Effie in the movies is really important because you have to have that kind of the person that Katniss likes from the Capitol. Yeah. Um, in the books, her assistants kind of fill that role, but not entirely. And I think keeping Effie as a through line for that is really important because you see this person who is a Capitol person who's grown up there and who still likes all of the glitz and mm. glamour of it and who isn't a terrible person. Yeah, well, that's important because, I mean, we as the audience are the Capitol people. She stands in for the person of privilege who recognises the need to give that said privilege away without also, like, but she also recognises what she liked about that lifestyle. I think she has an interesting journey there. Yeah, but she's also, she comes to really care for Katniss and be inspired by Katniss, but not in the way that everybody else is inspired by Katniss as a figurehead, but not as a figurehead or anything like that. She's She loves Katniss for Katniss as a person, yeah, um, which is really nice to see that journey. And she does care about Katniss so much, and it's really, really sweet. And you know, Effie and Hamish are kind of like Katniss's games parents. Well, Effie, I was just going to say that is so maternal towards Katniss in a way that her own mother isn't. And it's not because her mother is a bad mother; it's just that she's herself she kind of is. <laughs> she's but she's traumatized. She's been left with these two kids. The older of her kids is so capable and so whatever that she's just left Katniss to raise herself and her sister and everybody else because she's like, well, this kid's capable. She doesn't need any parenting. And Effie sees that that Katniss needs someone to step into that role and she does it. Yeah. She kind of takes over Sinner's job. (laughs) That's right. He he was so great. I was sort of sad that they killed him off off screen, but, you know, whatever. They started killing him off on screen. There wasn't a chance that he was going to live 
after what they did to him. Oh, I can't. It's in Catching Fire, she's about to go up the tube into the arena. Yep. And he gives her a hug and then she's in the tu- elevator tube thing and a whole bunch of guards come in oh, and start beating forgot- him. I'd forgotten about that. Okay. And right. like beat him right up against the glass to unsettle her before she starts the games. Right. But they, they go really, it's really brutal and that yeah, yeah. Okay. there's I'd, no chance I'd he was going to die. Sorry, I'd forgotten I mean, about Liv. that. I saw Catching Fire three times. So, right. Okay. Which was kind of accidental, but uh, not bad because it is my favorite of the movies. I really enjoyed that one. Mm. It it. The, the the thing about this new one, they do try and tie it into being the Hunger Games a few times, but the last two are not the Hunger Games. They are they don't have the Hunger Games in them. No, they are just like political war movies about this uprising, mm. and they the movies did a very good job of handling that in a more personal way. Um, I want to talk a bit about Katniss's agency as well. Yeah, because you're always hearing people talking about how Katniss doesn't have any agency and she's just a pawn. Have they even met Katniss? Which is kind of the Katniss? point. <laughs> no, but it is kind of the point, right? Yeah, but like she does what she she makes her own decisions within what she's like. Even within a, a world where everybody wants to control her, she still manages to have her own way. Yeah, but that's the thing is that like she feels like she doesn't have agency and she talks about that she's always talking about how like people keep using her people keep and people keep manipulating her and everybody else and they're all part of coins game and they're all part of Mm. snow's game and they're all like everybody is constantly being manipulated by other people that and and to try and find her agency and that is very difficult for her and i like in each of the books she has that one big moment where she like changes things where mm. she gets to dis- to affect the outcome of things, mm. and in this one, of course, it's when she shoots coin yep. instead of shooting snow, and and I like the way that all ties into you know all the other ones, and and that I think it's really interesting, and I still think it's one of the most interesting aspects of the storytelling is like this thing that is is so much a problem for so many teenage girls. Yeah, is, I, d- I can't control my life. I don't yeah. get to have any say in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why these movies are so important for the disaffected groups that they appeal to. And it's not always just one moment. I would argue that the moment when she sneaks out to jump on the plane to get to District 2 is like that. I would argue but then, in but the, then that's the, the first thing. The part problem with of, that is that that immediately gets... Yeah, yeah. That, but she still takes initiative on these things. There's, there's another one in... Um, in the first Mockingjay, like where they tell her to stay inside and she's told to stay here and stay there and she gets away and she runs away. In those moments, she's fighting a system that is eventually going to bring her back into some kind of line. They follow, you know, they eventually just kind of see what she's doing and like, oh, well, we'll just go with that and then try and control the situation again. But she's still exercising control and it is, it, it's having those little moments of success and those moments of uprising in a system that wants to control you all the time. Yeah. I mean, she does, but that's the thing is that a lot of that is manipulated and a lot of it is kind of, uh, she thinks that she's doing what she wants to do and it ends up playing into what they want her to do fairly easily. Mm. It's really interesting, especially with snow because for snow, all of that stuff just makes it better and better Mm. every time that she does something like that. Yeah. Because, you know, he wants her to, keep on doing that sort of thing and he wants her to keep living um Mm. because if she dies she becomes a martyr yeah um and he wants her to continue to be the enemy that he can yeah point out point and and a a real person yeah yeah i actually thought that was he was good in this one he was confrontation at the end uh he was just 
when we start to see that he's dying and that he really doesn't have anything to lose, but he's, you know, he's enjoying being the ultimate game maker for as long as he can be. And then his face, his face when she shoots coin, my God. He's so happy. It's interesting as well. Uh, there's a note from the books that isn't, didn't make it into the movies that he dies because of all the tr- times that people have tried to poison him. Oh, right. That's, uh, that's sickness. What, yeah. It's, that's what he's dying from is because people have tried to kill him so many times that mm. his insides are all torn up from the poisons. I like that. And obviously he's he's dead before long anyway. He dies at some point. They do mention it on, on screen, but they don't show it. I'm pretty sure he died when Coin died. In the book anyway, he died right. at that moment he certainly doesn't look well but he he bet he lives long enough to at least see it yeah in the movies Um, which i think is actually right because he like i mean he's been pretty awful but he knows i mean he hasn't been pretty awful he's been organizing the murder of children for several decades yeah 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 but like he but then coin that's the thing is coin that the turning point for katniss is is coin coin organizing the murder of children yeah but he sort of he also sort of knows, like he he knows the way of power and yeah. corrupting in the way of the world. I thought that was interesting. I think possibly because in the interim between the last one and this one, I've read a big fat book on the French Revolution and that kind of, I saw some parallels there with one atrocious, absolute, powerful people being taken over by this, you know, uprising of people who at first seem quite sensible and organized, but once they get the power, then they end up being just as awful and despotic as the people who came before them. I just mm-hmm. thought it was an interesting Plus interesting there's a really take. great shot of coin after she shot on top of the yeah, yeah. the wall. I, d- I actually I like that because I like I like that it ends when it ends it doesn't say this is over forever either. Mm. It says, you know, as long as people's tra- traumatic memories of this event lasts, we remember why we don't do this. But once those memories start to fade and once the world sort of settles into a pattern people forget and move on with their lives. I think it's not an easy ending. It's a realistic one. Mm-hmm. But still gets to be a happy one, I guess. Yeah. For, well, I mean, for our heroes, for the pe- for Katniss and Peter and in their little world, but it, it gets to be happy for them because they can rem- they've, they're scarred from that trauma and they know what they're willing to give up to make sure it doesn't happen again. Because Peter's so cute with that kid. Oh my gosh! And this adorable little blonde moppet with those curly blonde hair, who is Jennifer Lawrence's nephew, I believe. Mm-hmm. They are so cute together, which I think goes against what they were, the kids were like in the books. But I don't really care because they're adorable. Yeah. Um. And also, um, obviously, comf- like she's comfortable with the because it, it Jennifer Lawrence holding a baby does look a bit funny because she's so young. Like she's really quite. You don't sort of think of Katniss as being maternal. I don't think Katniss is not maternal. I think she's quite maternal. I just think that it's it's pain-laced and it's difficult. But she's always been very protective and she is very paternal, um, very maternal towards Prim. Yeah, um, yeah. And, so and Peter. Uh, yeah, I think that's that's more of a kind of a, a, a mutual caring Protectiveness. Thing, protectiveness. Yeah, I, I just – it was – so, she like was – At first it looked a bit awkward. I think I'm just not used to seeing Jennifer Lawrence with babies. But – she it meant that she was quite com- they were quite comfortable with those two kids so yeah yes. it worked nicely but also it's a flash forward so mm-hmm. that you do that at the end they they tried to make her look older i think the dress thing though is kind of like they're trying to make her look maternal and mm. i don't think you need to do that like no. mothers wear pants guys like you don't have to change well yeah you don't catness ha- that radically yeah exactly and you could put her in more in softer clothes without putting her in something that is so kind of contrary to who we know she is yeah. at that point because Katniss, because for Katniss dresses are the capital and 
And even mm, if it's a simple work. one like the one she was wearing, the only time she ever wore a dress before that was whenever there was going to be the um the name calling thing yeah. for the for the Hunger Games again work like it's a it's a public event kind of thing. Is but she not just dresses. that that's a horrifying event for yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know how they could make the movie shorter, but it did feel a bit long. <laughs> I was not too bothered by it, but that's because I sat through Spectre last weekend, which was like oh, 17 so hours longer. long. And this one I was waiting for the next beat and waiting for yeah, the Yeah, I think it, it was a little bit long in the sense of that the whole thing is an ending. It's still, it's like two and a half hours of ending. So I guess there is that. But I, I mean, I don't, I like, what would you cut out? Yeah, exactly. There was no, I didn't feel like there were any wasted endings. Like I ever, it wrapped up all the stories in a way that was satisfying. So there is one odd thing and that's how characters keep sort of not, being around for a bit, specifically Gail and Peter, and then they'll just be there again and Katniss will just see them again. We won't have a reunion moment or mm-hmm. anything like that. It'll just they'll just be there. Yep. And that was I think something I felt from the books as well, where I was like, don't we get we, I felt like we kept skipping over really important moments to get to other ones. Yeah. Like we don't see Peter going to see Katniss when she's hurt. We just he's just in the room when she goes to the to that meeting about the next hung like the yeah. proposed Hunger Games. But last time we saw them there was a very very dramatic parting. And she specifically said to Gail, you didn't even come and see me when I was in hospital. So, right. like, so that obviously was it was important that Peter came to see her while she was in hospital. Yeah. But also that was a weird moment because yeah. she hasn't seen Gail for a while and then suddenly he's just kind of there. Um, mm. All of that is is very odd to me and it felt kind of odd. And I think it's it's that, I don't know, it's just this kind of strange writing style of, of not showing a lot of the important things but then showing us – the effect of them. The, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of funny things like that. And the, the deaths as well are so – I always felt this in the book as well. The deaths are so kind of non-dramatic. Like Finnick's death, in the movie, you get a little bit more of it, him, of seeing him protect them and Phoenix dying for them. Phoenix's death is super dramatic. No, but it, it he sort of just gets it, – it, it's like a moment and then there's just more battle and – in, I think it felt better in the movie, but in the book it really did. He just fell into the pit and she ah. threw the thing down and then they go off to do the next thing. And it's kind of this like you don't get to see much of the effect of that and he's just kind of thrown away. And I felt like that with a lot of the characters. Boggs just kind of gets thrown away. Well, a lot of people mm-hmm. are introduced just to get thrown away. Phoenix, Phoenix didn't really deserve the death that he gets. He deserved a more heroic one, I think, in the books. It's, it's a little bit more heroic, I think, in the movie. Um, And then Prims as well, like – it's so sudden, especially, I mean, even in the movie, it's just, you see her for like a second and then she's yeah, gone. Yeah, I didn't, well, I mean. It's very, very fast and very kind of realistic though. That's, that, like, that's kind of what happens is that people die and they die suddenly and they die in horrible ways and you, particularly in times of war and you have to kind of keep moving. But it isn't a documentary for one thing. And also the Prim thing is like she's only there for a second. The likelihood of Katniss getting up to see her die, if they're going to do that, they might as well just kill her off screen. Yeah. I just thought that was quite affectingly done because we just we see her and it's amazing for about a second and then she's gone. And it was just like it was it yeah, really – Yeah, I suppose if, it would be different if you don't know. <laughs> it was particularly affecting, I thought. And, and just it was just so sort of – you, you can imagine that really happening in war and – Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that's very much affected by what I was feeling when I was reading the book, which was very frustrated. Right. Um, it's hard for me to separate the two. Mm, it really okay. is because it really – I just had such a different kind of experience reading the books. and then But the movies, I do feel 
I felt so much more connected to the characters, mm. um, so much more connected. Like I, my heart was just pumping at certain moments when I knew things were going to happen. The scene when she was about to shoot coin, mm. which I knew was going to happen. Well, um, I think we all knew that was going to happen, but yeah, it's interesting though. It's, it's definitely, it was a diff- very different experience um, from reading it, mm. getting to see it. And, and I think, Part of this feeds into why I like movies more than books a lot of the time is that I, I do get a lot more attached, especially if they're over a series. Mm. Um, I get, I got much more attached to the characters in the movies than the books. Even in the book, I was like, Finnick is okay. In the movies, I loved him. So Yeah, I just definitely don't regret not having read them. I mean, I probably will now. Now that I've now that I've done this, I get well, to read them. It'll be interesting to see what your opinion. Yeah, is I, I think that... it will be it will be interesting, but I don't think it diminished my enjoyment of the movies. And I, I so I got to the end of this one, I was like, I really liked that. Mm. Wow. Um, even now though, I'm sitting here going, what do I give it? How do I work out the grades that, that I give it? Because you know, it was really good and really affecting, but you can only really watch it if you've watched the previous one. And I don't know. I I do think it was very much like a lot of battles and a lot of getting to the next thing, which is. Again, like it's not the movie's fault because that's what is happening in the book at this point. Mm. That's just kind of how it's always felt to me. But I think they did a lot more character work in the movie. They they had more downtime and it was more effective. And there's certain things that are so well done, the creepiness of the tunnels and the claustrophobia of the space and being stuck together and having to deal with the issues that they're trying to deal with is, is so effective in the movie and the performances just take it to another level yeah, they always these, have the actors they got for this like they're such top-notch actors they really are i mean they had gwendolyn christie in this movie for for like three seconds for like three seconds with a terrible accent and they had killed off robert nepper really fast too yeah yeah well when i, I mean, saw him i was had, just like Ugh. he had a fair role in the last one though so he's so Ugh. yeah he's so gross i know <laughs> it's it was, not the actor's fault but he's no creepy. he's creepy yeah <laughs> Yeah, they, they've always had just such good actors doing even minor roles, yeah. you know, that, that it always just has elevated these movies to being something I think that was really special. Yeah. And yeah. while this wasn't my favorite of a lot of them, I still enjoyed it and I still liked seeing where all the characters took us and stuff like that. Mm. And there's lots of like... Getting to see Katniss and we don't, we don't even have time to get into all the interesting politics and there's so much in there. They're just such a cut above... There's a, been a lot of imitators lately and we've been to see a few of them, the Insurgent movies and the Maze Runner movies and all that kind of stuff. These are just like a different level of film and a mm. different level of sophisticated understanding of the world and people and politics. and Which is interesting because one of the criticisms leveled at it is that it is not deep and that it is uh, a ripoff of various other stories. Um, I think people focus too much on the Hunger Games themselves rather than the story outside the Hunger Games. Yeah, I don't, and I don't like the idea of this ripping off either because in a lot of ways it's, it's like there are, there are only so many essential stories, Mm -hmm. but there is also the skill of telling the right story to the right people at the right time. I think Mm -hmm. this is very much a movie of its time and of, and not even of our generation, of a generation that's a little bit younger than us, like the the people of Jennifer Lawrence's age and, and Liam Hemsworth's age, the kids who are like 15 to 25 now, like that, it's really a – um, Josh Hutchison. D- yeah, I, I always forget. He seems like he's older. I know that's silly. He's younger, I think. Um, It's very much a movie for that age group and like Suzanne Collins is not of that age group but she really understands the world that those kids came of age into. Yeah, and I think it, it's so much more uh, – because it, that's only part of the story – 
it is so much more deep and interesting and the the themes that it explores are so much more than than people really seem to understand or give it credit or for, give it credit yeah. for all those questions of agency and and all those questions of of systems, who, and, systems and institutions and, and how they work yep it's interesting um he's 23 Josh Hutchinson yeah, so he's is 2, two years, years younger than Jennifer Lawrence but yeah it it's uh, they and they do such a good job of getting to see the other side of that in the movies because we never see the other side of it obviously in the books because it's all from Katniss's perspective. Yeah, and that's one of the great things the movies have always because the movies can show that in really sort of simple ways. Like even going through because they spend a lot of this movie in the capital, you see them going through these buildings that uh, many have been destroyed, but they're obviously were really decadently decorated and they're um elegantly made and there's chandeliers and fancy lighting and fancy couches and just stuff that you don't even have to they don't have to say anything they can just show you yeah they they've always been good at the showing things and and letting things be subtle but explaining things when they need to and all that sort well, of stuff it's just, it's just even it's just showing, strength of these yeah. movies and even just showing the mass of what people from the capital look like as as opposed to what the other characters we know look like yeah that tiger lady man mm. um do you want to give it a rating yeah. Oh, that was another thing that I remembered. There's no disguise for Katniss and Gail in this. Like, this is a woman who has this whole place full of clothes and also has altered herself dramatically. Like, you'd think she'd put makeup on them or yeah. like, dye their hair or put give them a wig or something. And I'm sure they did in the book. And in the movie, yeah. it's just literally Katniss Everdeen with a hood up. And you're like, yeah. really? <laughs> People are going to see that. Yeah. Like, they could have done, put some effort notice. into it. I feel like they, they were so focused on just giving us, like, Jennifer Lawrence's face. Yeah. as this Katniss image with the braid and the whole thing, like giving us that image through this whole movie that they forgot about anything kind of practical to do with it or they, they decided not to do it, like disguises and like scars Burns. and all of that yeah. stuff. They just wanted us to see her all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that was to its detriment because it's silly. Well, because it misses the point of the film as well. Like it goes against the spirit of Katniss yeah. and of, of the rebellion. Um, Yes, I do want to give it a rating. I'm sitting on the edge here. I'm going to go with four stars. Because I'm okay. feeling generous. I think I will give it three and a half stars. It was a perfectly good conclusion to these movies, but I still have some very big problems with the way that yeah. the book was written. And I feel like some of that still came out in the movies, even though they were trying really hard, you know, and they did a really good job of adapting this very difficult story. I still felt like there were some things that just didn't quite mm. sit right with me. Yeah, fair enough. I will wrap up then. Okay. Um, thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you want to find our show notes or buy tickets to our screening of Star Wars The Force Awakens, you can do that on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, we are all over social media. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens, on Twitter at screen underscore queens, and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to read Katie's review of The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, Uh, You can find it on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. All right. Yes. I'm going to do the the Star Wars thing first. (laughs) Were you about to start giving me the thing? I'm going to do Star Wars first. (laughs) I'm Darth Vader. I get get the (laughs) Imperial March. Okay. Okay. What about this? (laughs) That's more like me. I would shoot first.